1: Back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com.
2: Hi, everyone, I'm Jamie Smith. Before all this happened, I supported Burnley. Hopefully, I'll get the chance to do this again. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Jamie Smith Sports.
3: Hi, guys, I'm Jim. Uh, I'm the Leicester City fan for the EPL Roundtable. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Jim Knight
1: Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining us today, guys. Uh, As we've mentioned before, we'll come back when there's new news, and there certainly has been news matriculating in this week. Um, The big news is that the Bundesliga put a date on when they could return, which is May 9th. That's still pending government approval. Italy is considering allowing the resumption of training if they can provide... Five times as many tests as they're using to make sure that their players are all fit. Arsenal's going to consider doing one-on-one training next week with some of their players. It just starts to feel like the ball is starting to roll on the return of some footballing activities. Uh, how confident are you that the Premier League will be able to kind of follow in those footsteps of those foreign leagues and be able to get back up and running to finish this uh nineteen twenty season?
2: I think there's a lot of desire to make it happen from... Obviously, fans, uh, all the clubs seem, most of the clubs at least, seem to be on board with it. Um, but at the minute, it seems a long way away. Um, the situation here in the UK is still really bad. Um, we passed twenty thousand deaths over the weekend. That's only the deaths that have been recorded in hospitals. There's a lot more in care homes, in the community that aren't being recorded in the same way yet. So. Uh, The death toll is frightening really over here and doesn't seem to be slowing very quickly. Um, So I I think there is um, hunger to get the Premier League back up and running as quickly as possible. Uh, That's going to be May, June, July, August. I think it's very difficult to say at this time. Um, In Germany, for example, the Bundesliga seems to have been extremely careful to say that it's going to have to be that there's no extra pressure on the health service or anything like that before they start playing. They don't want to make any problems. Um, and I think it would have to be the same over here. Germany have had much better grip over the whole situation. So I think the Premier League are probably several weeks at least behind even being able to start thinking about resuming in the season, I think.
3: Yeah, it doesn't seem likely. Um, Right now, I think what there is is an appetite where possible to complete the season um, in some way, shape or form. Obviously, in line with FIFA's guidance that they will kind of allow extra leeway to mean that clubs um, can finish their domestic season uh, and leagues can kind of be completed on merit um rather than curtailed early um or or kind of done via a points per game average or you know that kind of situation to decide things. Um it as Jamie says the situation here in, in the UK isn't good. Um we're probably I think we're in the top five of countries um around the world in terms of like confirmed deaths. So obviously it, it all seems a bit inconsequential talking about the resumption of a, a football game. Um given the the wider context. But at the same time, I think there is, there seems to be a definite um, kind of uh, approach from the government potentially to um, bring in something which can help um, ease the kind of, not, not social boredom, but like give people something to focus on outside of what's going on. And I think football fills that void for a lot of people. Um, it, obviously it's the, the most popular sport in the in the country and a lot of people have uh, an affiliation to a team um, or would kind of embrace watching matches even if they weren't necessarily big football fans before just as something to do especially if um, the social distancing rules are in place to the point where kind of socializing is still um, ruled out for the most part. so there seems to be a, an attitude um certainly from a government perspective that they will do what they can to help um there's not kind of been a statement on that but there's been a lot of kind of lines in in news reports that the the prime minister boris johnson is speaking to uh the premier league and kind of aiming to, to to give the assistance where we can um obviously that that does kind of um, mean that we would have to be in a position where you know at least the, the the basic lockdown that we're in now would need to be lifted, I guess, before football could be played again, just purely to allow a couple of hundred people into a stadium um, at once, and um, you know between staff and players. Um, coaches and also kind of people there production filming and that kind of thing so it, it seems a long way off yet but it also seems like one of the first things that could come back from a sporting perspective because of the the kind of will to to drive it forward but you just got to hope that it's done in a safe and and reasonable manner basically and it's not ju- done just to kind of placate a public that are starting to get a little bit cabin fevery now after five or six weeks um of, of not kind of being able to do what they would normally do of a saturday afternoon yeah, yeah, I think the
2: the worry is that it has to be done in the right way, isn't it? I mean, yeah. it's, in the Bundesliga, they're talking about like testing all the players constantly to make sure that everyone is not infected. It would need to be the same here. There's not capacity to do those sorts of tests at the moment. Um, and then you have to ask the question, if, if a player was diagnosed with COVID, would everything have to stop? Would there be a workaround? There's a lot of things that I think they still have to sort of war game out to work out whether it's realistic. I think everyone's now looking towards the Bundesliga and if they can make it work, they'll try and follow that sort of same formula. Um But yeah, I think everyone's hopeful at the minute, but for me, I think we're probably still a couple of months away at least.
3: Yeah. I think if it's going to come in, it'll be uh, June into July, maybe even July into August. Given the amount of games, you know, a lot of teams have got nine or ten games left to play. So, you would need a good, probably eight-week period, seven or eight-weeks periods, to even if you were playing every four or five days, World Cup style, to to um, to get stuff done. So it would be interesting to see how that the logistics of it would actually work. But yeah, it, as Jamie says, it doesn't look likely at the moment, but at the same time, hopefully the Bundesliga lays down a, a blueprint if you like that a lot of um, European leagues will look to follow. But again, that's against a social backdrop of handling the whole situation a whole lot better in terms of being on top of things and infection rates and that kind of thing. So it's um, yeah, it's, it's all very up in the air at the moment, but I guess it's a, relative positive that we've got a big league that are looking to come back and hopefully it gives a uh, an idea of what can be done in in extremely difficult circumstances
1: yeah both of you have talked about that like massive will to get it going again which which can be huge i know in in the states we just had the nfl draft despite everybody saying it would be dumb and impossible to do just because the commissioner was like we're doing it anyway obviously easier because everybody can be in their homes and people playing sports but that is obviously a really big factor is just what the will and uh, if <laughs> the number that's been floated about of what the Premier League could owe uh, some of these TV rights holders um, if they don't play out the season. Uh, it's certainly easy to understand from that perspective as well. Um, on the other hand, the era Divisi decided to conclude their season. Um, they took a vote, and it's a very contentious vote because apparently the undecided votes counted as yeses. Um, which is how they agreed to neither award the title to Ajax nor to relegate clubs like Otto Den Haag, which means uh, Alan Pardew managed to survive the drop just because there literally isn't going to be one this year. Managerial Um, genius. There you go. Obviously, Kambor, who were in the second division, very frustrated because they were uh, likely to go up, and now that's frozen. Um, This is all, of course, with, I guess, backdrop is the word of the day, the backdrop of UEFA's comments that they want Leeds to be finished in a sporting manner. Um, so that it isn't just like null and void and count the previous year's statistics, which are terrible for Tottenham. Um, but uh, if things go that way, I know you guys have mentioned you aren't really confident um, in how everything's been handled thus far uh, in England in terms of the of the health response. If it gets to the point where there isn't enough time left to play out the season, which I know has already been supposed by some people, uh, how do you think the best way to handle it? Would be would it be this Netherlands model of no titles no relegation no promotion or do you think they could do like the points per game method uh, which has been another one of the ideas that's been bandied about
2: well I think the from what I've seen the reaction to what they've done in Holland hasn't been particularly popular um, obviously there was always going to be clubs that miss out that are left more frustrated if you do things that way and I think it would be the same over here yeah um, and with the sort of vast amounts of money that we're talking about in the Premier League, I think it would be inevitable that there would be legal challenges and this would just get dragged out. If you all say, um, is the Aston Villa who were in the relegation zone at the minute who would be relegated but could get out of it because they've got a game in hand, if they were to say the season ends and all the placings are valid, then Villa are surely going to turn around and say, well, hang on a minute, we've got more games left. We would have a chance of getting out of it. Um, and I don't think you can also say there's no relegation or promotion because as much as I would find it very funny for Leeds United to be denied promotion, they've yeah. basically earned that promotion. So you can't then turn round to them in April, nearly May, and say, sorry, lads, I know you're like basically already promoted, but it's not going to happen. I mean, one of the solutions that's been put forward is that the Premier League sort of expands to 22 or 23 teams Leeds unless Brom come up and then it's bigger next season. It just seems totally unworkable for me for that to happen. We're talking about getting football back up and start and trying to finish this season. Everyone seems to be forgetting that next season is probably going to be a mess as well. Um, if there's no second wave, then maybe we'll have an undisrupted second seat next season. But it seems likely that coronavirus is going to come back. So, to talk about it, trying to preserve the sanctity of next season and making that go smoothly as possible it seems a bit nonsensical to me I think we have to worry about this season first and foremost Um, so I don't think my opinion has changed from the last time I was on the podcast I'm still in favour of finishing the season whether that means it takes a long time I think I'm still in favour of finishing the season I think you have to protect the The league doesn't work as a competition if you don't finish it, I don't think. Um, So even if you finish it under terms and conditions that people don't like and it's like there's an asterisk next to Liverpool winning the league title, I think it's still the correct thing to do. Um, So I think when it's safe to do so, I think the game should be played. It's inevitable that'll be behind closed doors, which is unsatisfying. But I think we're in a situation now where it's the best worst scenario. None of the scenarios are good. We just have to pick one that's not awful. Um, so I think playing the games when it's safe is the right thing to do. I don't really like points per game, but it's fairer than stopping the season as it is. I mean, the issue with points per game is that it's not taking into account the games that teams have got left. Um, but there's no fair way to do that either because you can say, well, they've got Arsenal or Chelsea to play. At the end of the season, you always get mad results. So you can't just... Do like an opt model and say, Well, the data says this team would win that game, so I don't really like that either. Um, so I think the season has to be finished. I've been in that camp from the start, I haven't changed my mind. Um, but I think it's we have to think about next season as well and accept that that's probably going to be disrupted as well.
3: Yeah, there's obviously a good case, especially if this is something that becomes a uh, more potent force from a, a Covid. Point of view in in colder months, um, so obviously going into like the the traditional middle point of next season over the the Christmas and New Year period, you would potentially be um, susceptible to that again. I think as I completely agree with with what Jamie said in terms of having to finish the season. I think it it. There are far too many things thrown out by not finishing the season, essentially. like And given that we saw legal challenges um, from Sheffield United, for example, when uh, they got relegated instead of West Ham um, and all the kind of issues around Mascherano and Tevez being signed like a few years ago and then raising legal challenges that ran on for years um, about their perceived, you know, hard done by they'd been um, and the money. I mean, the Money shouldn't be the most important thing here, but it will be one of the main talking points if the league's not completed because there is so much money on the line. And part of the reason that the Premier League, I think, is so keen to get things completed is that the the money that's involved in not finishing uh, and leaving that money on the table, either through broadcasting rights or through denying, say, a club like Aston Villa, um, who could conceivably still stay up um, next season and the money that they would be entitled to in terms of broadcasting rights is colossal Um, and it would be you know clubs would be within their rights to pursue that through legal channels and the money on the line means that they almost certainly would because they would want to be compensated for what they feel is a raw deal to the tune of a hundred plus million pounds, uh, which to a lot of clubs could be the difference. In, especially in Aston Villa's case, you know they've skirted around administration once before recently, when they missed out and and uh, on on promotion from the Championship. So there's probably a lot of clubs who are striving for Premier League status, either in the Championship or in the bottom half of the Premier League. Say that are maybe living beyond their means to the point where if you did unfairly theoretically unfairly relegate them they would they would really feel the pinch of that in terms of the, the financials um so it, it's a really difficult decision as James says there's no right answer you just have to take the best worst case scenario the best bad case scenario i guess um it's it's just yeah, it would leave a nasty taste in the mouth, I think, if it, if it was to be concluded any other way other than being finished in in the kind of normal sense. I think the logical thing for someone like UEFA to, to step in and do is potentially to to look at restructuring the international side of things for next season if it did run on to the point where you couldn't start the 2020-21 season until, say, October, September, October time to give players that that time at the end of the season. Um if, if you look to curtail some of the international breaks, which weren't the, um, the ones that had the direct knock on effect for, for the European Championships in terms of like the playoffs and stuff, that could help because there is a lot of to in and fro in in the first few months of an English football season or a European football season. You do feel a bit like it's a few weeks on. A, week, a couple of weeks off, a few weeks on, a couple of weeks off. And that's really frustrating for, for clubs, I think, and for, for fans of, of domestic teams, because you almost feel like you, you can find a bit of form and then there's a buffer and then you come back in two weeks' time and players have been all over the world to play for their, their countries. So actually, if UEFA were in kind of agreement for the greater good, then th- that would give people a little bit more grace, I think, to, to schedule domestic games. Um, and it would feel a bit more kind of natural to play them in in a time frame that covered roughly the same amount of of months but potentially you know you could you could play a few more games per uh, per month because of the fact that you weren't giving two weeks to international breaks every six weeks or seven weeks at the start of the season Um obviously there's the, especially in England we've got two domestic cups which isn't ideal and there are obviously issues around that if you got rid of say the FA Cup or the, the, um, the League Cup based on the chance that it gives lower league clubs, especially to have a big payday, which could sustain them for a significant period of time. Uh, But again, none of this is perfect. Um, But those are all kind of options that if I was in charge, God help anyone, that puts me in charge of football administration. But Mm. if you were kind of in charge, those were kind of suggestions that I'd put forward as options um, to to kind of minimise the load aside from the the main competitions to kind of help things um, go along a little bit. Because... It, it, this season's probably not going to be finished until into August, potentially, maybe later. Um, so you are going to need to think about shifting the dates a little bit, plus the fact you've got Euro 2021.
1: Um, Which is currently planned well. to be called Euro 2020 still, just like the Olympics. Incredible.
3: Yeah, I, although, I think, I don't know if they reversed that the other day, um, purely based on the fact that everyone thought they were stupid for sticking with Euro 2020. I'm <laughs> guessing They've just got five million T-shirts printed, haven't they? Basically, <laughs> that they don't want to, like, give up, and they don't want to pay a graphic designer to change the logo. Just again.
2: scribble, them all um, out, and draw one. Yeah, yeah.
3: Nice.
1: Well, this is the thing. Or like, put an "ne" after the last zero.
3: Yeah, they might become collectors' items Euro twenty twenty merch because it's the tournament that never happened. So it'll be like in the in the, the and <laughs> the annals of football history, it'll be like the lost tournament. Um, but yeah, so obviously you've got that bookend in the next season, which which means that you can't indefinitely play on to, to the end of the campaign and kind of hope that you can just catch up that way. So it, it's a mess. Let's be honest. There's no easy way to solve this, um, you know, but at the moment, you know, you just have to look at the options that are legitimate and I, I, I feel exactly the same as Jamie I think finishing it by any other means other than finishing the season in the, the kind of normal way of pl- and letting teams play the games even after a, an enforced break of three months for example is the only fair way to do it and actually you know as we've we've seen Scotland in their season um, early and obviously I think Belgium were rumoured to be doing the same as, as the Netherlands as well so it's it, there's all kinds of things but I think you know money makes the world go round, and I think the Premier League will have to look at a a more kind of quote-unquote fair option because there's going to be so many um, issues around ending it in any other way, essentially.
2: Yeah. Just to jump back in briefly on the point Jim was making about UEFA, I think it's a bit of a problem that they've already rescheduled the Euros because that, like you say, it puts the sort of deadline on the end of the 2020-21 season they're saying that that has to be done by this day. I think they could have left that for a little while because everything is still in so much flux. If, if and I still think it's an if, if we're right in saying that the Premier League can finish in August, then the next season is not going to start until September, maybe October. Even if you get rid of a cup competition, even if you get rid of some international breaks, say goodbye to the Nations League or whatever, it's still going to be a stretch to get the season done. I and mean, this is, like I said before, we're talking about Best case scenario, no more interruptions, no fresh lockdowns, no coronavirus comes back in the winter, which, if you listen to any scientists, they all seem to agree that it's going to come back. So, yeah, I think um, trying to make any sort of solid plan at the minute I think is extremely difficult, and I think everyone has to just be as flexible as possible, and I don't think you wait for a really help, matters by saying this is when the Euros are going to be.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting point. I I know... um... Jim, you mentioned a couple of things that I kind of want to touch on and get your guys' thoughts on. Uh, Another potential thing, if there isn't enough time to finish the season before the next, uh, regardless of all the points Jamie just made about a second wave, which uh, pandemics tend to have. um, But there was a brief rumor of the potential of having, like, an American-style playoff format to decide the big things that matter, like the title, top four, top six, and relegation. Do do you think that would be a little too... Outside of the box to actually happen. Imagine Um,
3: Liverpool fans if they lost on some (laughs) kind of technicality based around a playoff for the title. Um, Again,
2: it will be very funny.
3: Completely fair. (laughs) <laughs> from, a, from a purely kind of neutral humor perspective, yeah. But I mean, I think that could potentially be employed in the championship, for example, um, and potentially in the the football league, especially if time is of the essence, there to kind of get those on sorted on sporting merit rather than just a simulation or current standings. Um, but I think, in, in certainly in the case of the title, it would be all kinds of crazy if if it didn't turn out the way that you know it looks like it inevitably will do.
2: Yeah, I think they have to come up with a way that that Liverpool still win the title. I think you can argue about European places and stuff like that. I think that's fine, um, and I think there's merit in talking about um, turning the Championship, League One, League Two into like a playoff type system. As long as you do it in a fair way, where say the top two were already into the semi-finals, and then everyone else is playing to get to that stage, um, then you drag it out a bit more and get more games, and it'd be more fun for everyone as well. But yeah, the idea of Liverpool having to play more games. Um, in any sort of like cup knockout format, just seems a bit nuts. And <laughs> it would be the same as what I'm talking about, like an asterisk by the name. If the season isn't completed in a fair way where everyone plays the same number of games, plays each other twice, like how leagues work, then it's just not going to be treated like a league title that counts.
1: Yeah, and then the other thing I wanted to touch on was the financial aspect. Obviously, this is a very trying time, especially for clubs not in the Premier League. That's why the Premier League is helping uh, to send some money down uh, the... the. Ooh, what's that word I want? Pyramid? Pyramid. Um, thank you. Yep, the pyramid. <laughs> wow, that just was never going to come. Appreciate you guys. Uh, but we all are also hearing that a couple of Premier League clubs are, are worrying they could end up being up to 50 million pounds in debt at the back end of this. Uh, are we thinking any club is in genuine danger of losing their status financially in terms of having to enter administration or anything like that? Or do you think that the Premier League itself is so strong financially that all the clubs, at least that are currently in it, will be able to make it through this without too much scarring?
2: I would expect so, yeah. I think, um, I think the Premier League would do whatever it could to protect clubs from going bust. Um, it's quite interesting, actually, Burnley, one of the teams that have been quite open about the financial situation. And they, they put the 50 million number on it and said, look, if we didn't play the other games, we'd lose this in match revenue. We'd lose this in TV money that went back to the companies. It would cost this, this, this. It'd be 50 million pound hole in our finances. Um, and what happened after the chairman came out and said this, and Lady it out very clearly it was easy to understand was all the newspapers went Burnley are going to go bust in August which is completely not what was said they took a completely different slant over the actual words that came out of the chems, mouth um, but yeah there's undoubtedly clubs that would be in more trouble I think Jim picking out Villa earlier really was a fair point they spent a lot of money to get promoted took a massive gamble then spent all the money on players who have proven not to be very good so it would presumably hit them very hard. Most Premier League teams are bankrolled by extremely rich people. I would imagine people would probably just have to put their hands in their pockets. Um, Further down the pyramid, I think it's inevitable that we're going to lose clubs, to be honest. Um, The match revenue is so important to these teams in League One, League Two. And if you're telling them that they're not going to be able to play games in front of fans until probably next year, I think it's just going to be all but impossible to keep them all going. Um, I think they'll be after what happened to Bury last year, I think there'll be a desire to try and save clubs. But there's there's clubs, realistically, and I hate to say it because it's heartbreaking for fans of these teams, but there's probably too many clubs. There's certainly too many clubs that have spent more money than they were ever going to bring in. Um, And maybe English football doesn't need 92 professional clubs in the Football League anymore.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's, as Jamie said, it's kind of a sad fact of life. I guess I think the, the wider point on the football league angle is the fact that there are so many clubs that aren't necessarily being mismanaged in a normal situation because they can just scrape by. But there are there are a lot of clubs, I would imagine, that are overextended compared to like a normal business. So stopping the main source of income, which has been kind of match days. Um, and that kind of thing and, and potential prize money and things like that from, from league placings is, would just be catastrophic. The, the whole point of, of English football in the last few years, you know, it hasn't always been like this, but essentially a lot of those clubs have become passion projects for either foreign investors or kind of local investors who, who've used them as a vehicle for, for a way to kind of sink their money into. Um, and a lot of them, live beyond their means in terms of like a pure balance sheet they record losses every season but it's kind of propped up by other things and income and things like that there's there's ways and means to make it you know every not every Premier League club but the vast majority of Premier League clubs make a loss year on year but they're allowed to and it's kind of sustainable if you replicate that situation further down the league particularly League One and League Two you've probably got clubs that are a couple of months away from going to the wall at any one point based on either a relegation um, or or kind of a, an unforeseen event like this where you, your income just completely stops. Um, and unfortunately, I think a lot of teams will get found out by this and uh, you know that's not to say they're in the wrong necessarily they're only operating in the way that they've previously been doing but it, it's it's going to highlight any issues in the finances where previously they might just have been able to kind of paper over the cracks a little bit um as jamie says we've already lost a, a football league club this season uh in in berry uh which was sad to see them go and it, it's it's a real shame if we lose any more and you would like to think that the football authorities would step up and step in but again then you know are you just rewarding clubs that are being mismanaged from a financial perspective and allowing them another go to potentially overspend and things like that I mean you then get into the kind of muddy waters of, of kind of Birmingham City transfer embargoes and having to have sign off from the football league in terms of like transfers and things like that and it's it's just it's a very very difficult situation for a quote unquote impartial authority like the football League or the FA to to get involved in <clears throat> excuse me um yeah but at the same time the amount of money that's on offer particularly say in the championship we 've seen clubs i used villa as an example earlier they're not the only club that will have skirted around the going bust situation, either trying to get into the premier league or staying in the premier league and then dropping down. And the parachute payments just don't cover the sheer kind of number of wages. Sunderland, for example, that we've seen uh, recently Hull, who've, who overextended themselves, got relegated and then have never really kind of recovered and, are uh, and still not in a good place now. Um, so You know, you you don't want to think about clubs going to the wall or or being called into administration and things like that. But I think it's inevitable at this stage that the longer we go without any football, particularly with fans, which could be. 2021 before we see another match with a, a full stadium which is a scary thought really particularly if that is a, you know a bigger chunk of your match day uh, of your of your revenue um from a from a season long perspective let's be honest most premier league clubs if not all premier league clubs could probably afford not to play in front of crowds for a significant period of time just purely on the basis of the fact that being in the Premier League guarantees you £100 million plus in TV money um, and the exposure that that brings and merchandise and things like that but actually outside of that there's probably even championship clubs that rely on that match day revenue particularly if you've got a big stadium um, to, to bring in you know the, the ticket money the concessions, everything else that goes with it um, so it's, it's a really, really difficult situation and you just hope that you know, there's potentially some money that can be found somewhere from within the the football governing body, as it were, to to maybe help things um, and help clubs through. Because I'm sure there'll be plenty that are struggling. Hold
0: up.
1: Yeah, I think the ticket revenue is a, obviously a under-mentioned thing here. Or maybe it's not there. I definitely get that sense here And as a Tottenham supporter. Obviously, the whole point of building the new stadium was to up yep. that, that per-match revenue, um, which now won't be happening. But that's a pretty easy transition into talking about what have, our clubs have been up to in the last month. Um, <clears throat> I've obviously been on all of the shows uh, that we've done since the shutdown. So everybody already knows about... Tottenham furloughing and then unfurloughing all of its staff, at least through the end of May. Uh, all of our players keep training together and keep getting busted. Aurier and Sissoko <laughs> did it last year. <laughs> Jose Mourinho got Ndombele and Cessna now for a training session a couple weeks ago. <clears throat> That's obviously not ideal. We're getting all of these Barcelona rumors for Ndombele. And I think it would be a big shame if we gave up on somebody so talented just in one year. Uh, I think it bears noting that after one year, a lot of people wanted to get rid of uh, Sun Hyung Min who has turned out to be decent. Um, so maybe maybe in a weird half year, we shouldn't super judge on that front. A lot of transfer rumors for us, obviously. Right backs, defensive midfielders primarily. Some center backs going on. Um, Jose Mourinho is helping out at food pantries and stuff like that, which is good to see. I know the fan base is very hesitant on his uh, general existence, um, both before and since he joined the club. Um, but... It seems like, even though it took a long time, Tottenham are slowly turning things around. Except in the E-Cups, uh, Aurier lost in the Champions League version. Sissoko already lost in the Premier League one. So what are we even doing? But uh, I'd say that's, that's the primary roundup of what's going on at Tottenham. Uh, Jamie, you mentioned Burnley a little bit earlier. and I think you were on the first one post-shutdown. But uh, any other things going on around Burnley at the moment?
2: Yeah, um, just on Jose, before I talk about Burnley. If you haven't seen the clip of him doing the spinny penalty... Uh, make sure you dig (laughs) that out because it's very, very funny. Um, And I think it's the first time I've seen Jose smile for about five years. So, yeah, well worth watching that. Um, Burnley just seems to be trying to crack on as normal as possible. I think we were probably one of the last Premier League clubs to stop training normally and tell people to go home. Um, And they're not releasing an awful lot of information. We didn't furlough. The club have been quite clear that we are going to avoid doing that. If at all possible, I'm maybe a little bit surprised that there hasn't been anything about Sean Dash taking a pay cut. When he signed his new contract, he was reported to be on massive amounts of money. And since essentially he's got no work to do at the minute, I think if there was any financial issue at the club where they needed money to cover other non-playing staff, I think it would probably be fair if Sean Dash took a reasonable-sized pay cut. Uh, but it doesn't seem to be anything that I've talked about it so far. Um, like I was saying earlier, there was all this talk about the 50 million black hole. That seems to have been seized on by the tabloids as to mean Burnley are in financial trouble, which is just not the case. Um, so the story over the weekend was that both Villa and Crystal Palace are apparently interested in Sean Dash. Um I don't really know where to start with debunking this story, but Palace just gave their manager, their very good, very experienced manager, a new one-year contract about five minutes ago. So I don't know why they would be in the hunt for a new manager. And if Aston Villa did need a manager, why on earth would Sean Dyche go there? So completely makes no sense whatsoever. The club's not in danger. Um, the £50 black hole will be filled because I think the games will be played therefore the money won't have to go back to the broadcasters. Um, But yeah, this seems to just be carrying on. The main thing, I suppose, the main topic of debate for us is players that are out of contracts. There's a surprisingly high number of regular first-team players who are in this sort of grey area at the minute where, as it stands, their contracts will be up at the end of June. Well, it's like we're going to be playing this season's games after the end of June, so are those contracts are going to be automatically extended? Will there be some sort of agreement that it just sort of rolls over? Are we going to extend them anyway? It's all a bit up in the air and a bit surprised that they don't seem to have used this time off to try and get these contracts done. We're talking players like Ashley Westwood, Jeff Hendrick, who start most weeks, Phil Bardsley's in and out of the team if those players aren't going to get new contracts, I'd be very surprised. So this seems like the ideal time to get those sorted. Um, but yeah, at the minute, nothing major apart from Tabloid talking absolute rubbish about my club, which is always great fun.
3: Yeah, Leicester's um, situation is, has not been quite as high profile as Bernie's, I think, given the uh, the comments from the chairman and how they were blown out of all proportion, as Jamie says. Um, there's been no furloughing of any workers Um on the Leicester City side, um, I think it's kind of widely acknowledged that Leicester have one of the best ownerships um, in the Premier League. Um, and that's not just me saying it as a Leicester City fan. I think the way that we're, we're run as a club um, with the community at heart is is really kind of something that other clubs could aspire to. Um, and particularly clubs like Liverpool, for example, that have faced a, and Spurs that faced a backlash over furloughing players and, and that kind of thing. Um, or us furloughing staff, sorry, not players. That would be a hell of a government bill if they were telling uh, those. But it's at £2,500 a week. So I'm not sure <laughs> Harry Kane would be too happy, that's for sure. Um, but yes, yeah, so Leicester have uh, confirmed that they won't be furloughing any players or any staff or anything like that, um, even in the kind of lower uh, reserves and, and under 18s and the 21s. Um, they're also going to pay all matchday staff um, in full till the end of the 2021 season. So your casual matchday workers, for example, where catering staff or stewards uh people like that that were employed by the club and we paid through that and there's also been a charity fund that's been set up for um local kind of communities and hospitals uh, particularly who are obviously facing the brunt of the the coronavirus um, pandemic at the moment so there's some money going into that which is is great to see Um, And yeah, and and I mean, there's only so much you can kind of read into stuff. I think a lot of news outlets and media pools are just looking for stories at the moment, like linking Sean Dyche with a move away from Burnley, for example, as Jamie says, Leicester's situation with with players out of contract isn't too bad. Um, I think there are four off the top of my head. Um, the only one of which I think you'd be surprised if they didn't sort something sooner or later is probably Christian Fuchs. He's 34 now, actually, so you, it wouldn't be surprised if he let him go. And Actually, I think with the Christian Fuchs situation, it might actually be down to him, whether or not he wants to play for another year. Um, his his wife and children live in New York still, um, full-time, so he basically lives in Leicester on his own for the most part and then flies back and forth during international breaks or, or kind of downtime from the club. Um the club competitions and things like that. And um, if we've got a free week, he, he goes back and forth or they come here. Um, so he could potentially look to not extend his, his deals up at the end of the season. Um, so it wouldn't be surprised if he didn't sign on again, um, particularly with his business interests and stuff being very New York centric. I think he's got a soccer school and stuff out there. So unless he really likes living on his own in Leicester and away from his wife and children, then I can imagine he, yeah, he probably wants to call it a day and, and, and go back to the States. Um, where his family are. Nampalis, Mendy, Wes Morgan and Jakubovic in goal, like none of those would surprise you if they were They were just kind of um, not renewed. Morgan's on a player coach contract anyway. So I think he's going to go into the backroom staff kind of automatically almost. So he's probably not going to get another year playing. Um, he'll just kind of transition into the backroom staff. Mendy's been injured more than most players I've ever seen in a Leicester shirt so he's probably not going to get a renewed deal and Jakubovic I, I can barely remember him playing the game because he's like the third choice keeper behind Danny Ward now so we just promote a youth keeper or or pick somebody else up um, on the cheap to, to replace him so yeah no major kind of contract concerns obviously Jamie's talking about players like Westwood uh, and Bardsley that are, are normally on the team sheet so that's a little bit more concerning I guess because you, you want to ensure that you're not being left high and dry by a player that's out of contract when you, you're expecting them to play games um, but yeah, Le- Leicester, thankfully, haven't got a situation where they've, um, they've got too many kind of pivotal pieces out of contract. Um, obviously, it might impact transfers and things like that. We've been heavily linked with Adam Lalana in the last few months, um, who's out of contract at Liverpool as well. So whether this kind of coronavirus situation will have a knock-on effect there as well um obviously might be an issue for example if if they're signing rolling contracts and things like that it, it could potentially knock on and the money in the game might be reduced for the next couple of years while they recoup the costs of, of kind of any payments that need to be made to, to keep other clubs afloat so it's a difficult situation but hopefully Leicester are in a kind of good place to, to come out of it well um and it is good to see that they're they're putting the community first and stuff with with um charitable donations and things being donated locally which is something that has been going on anyway this isn't a coronavirus new thing it's just they've kind of doubled down on that kind of thing given that that's the kind of epicenter of of dealing with it i suppose
1: yeah you just talking about where players are at the moment did remind me um that uh sun hyung-min is doing his military duty in uh korea over this period of time and stephen bergvine had a baby named saint
2: um wow medical miracle
1: yeah, that's gonna
2: be a few months recovery.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised they didn't catch that in the medical. To be honest, um, yeah, but... i that very long. You that. <laughs> I, I was about to say clearly, I meant his wife. But if you didn't understand that, then I can't really help you. Um, <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> yeah, you get it. Um, so uh, I figured we'd wrap up this section by just talking about what we miss most about football. I was telling the guys before we hit record that uh, I just have been really sad most Saturday mornings. Obviously, I'm here in the States. That's when matches are on and I haven't been able to figure out why. And she's like, matches are gone. And I'm just been like, oh, that is very sad. Because even though uh, Tottenham are infuriating, at least it makes me feel something uh, so <laughs> you guys would like to share uh, what you're missing most about football at the moment. This can be a therapy session for both us and for the listeners.
2: Yeah, I I completely agree. I think the, what I've noticed most is how much I sort of rely on football to give structure to the week. Um, so like when Saturday comes and there's no football and you are kind of at a loss as to what to do with yourself, it's like everything's thrown off. Um, obviously lockdown, everyone's had ups and downs in lockdown, but I certainly find the weekends more challenging when normally on a weekend I'll just watch sport all weekend, so the fact there's no sport on, I think is really difficult, Uh, but also every evening, there's basically football on every evening, you've got Monday night football, Champions League Europa League's right the week, Friday night there's probably Championship football on, so every day, every day you can watch football from England let alone all the other European leagues so yeah, I think it has left a big hole. Um, it's made me realise that I should probably have some other hobbies. Um, haven't come up with any other hobbies yet. So any ideas for hobbies, please send me a tweet or something because um, you know, getting desperate enough that this weekend I was watching the e-Premier League Invitational thing, uh, the competitive <laughs> FIFA. Dwight McNeil got to the semi-finals. That's the tick for the Dwight McNeil reference to the week for regular listeners. Um <laughs> And the saddest thing about this is that it was our best cup run for probably a decade <laughs> it's like neil playing fifa so i think we have to count that one um yeah unfortunately <laughs> diogo charles was just too strong for him in the semi-finals and i got quite into it which i'm quite sad to admit so... <laughs> yeah our clubs
1: haven't really been nailing it in these e-competitions
2: <laughs> yeah i think um it's tricky as well because clubs are obviously doing as much as they can to try and keep people engaged so but only like a lot of teams have been re-running old games, sticking them on YouTube, kicking off at three o'clock on a Saturday. But it just makes me even more acutely aware that there's no sport. Re-watching a game that I was at years ago, being like, oh yeah, I remember going to football, being allowed to go and do things and see friends and have fun. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> so I appreciate the clubs are doing these things and, the e FIFA thing i sound like a real old man talking about this but yeah it's uh it's not really for me so i'm gonna have to take up knitting or something i think
3: knit yourself a scarf for the um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah exactly yeah as, as jamie says it it's i think it provides it it's the lifeblood of a lot of people's kind of social lives personal life also their professional lives i mean Jamie and I especially are kind of, and Kev in a former life as well, kind of working around the football schedule. It kind of defines your professional life as well as your personal life. Is a very privileged position to be in, to, to write about football and to be kind of paid to do so. So it, it's a kind of a double whammy, really, because you feel a bit rudderless without football during a summer, for example, where there's no major tournament. You impact that over a, a normal season, um, and you, and you don't have the football to to watch or to write about, then it, it's a it's a hammer blow really. Um, I, what the first couple of weeks, I think I really struggled because it was just like it, it stopped so abruptly. You kind of saw it coming in the in the distance. And I think we thought maybe there'd be a longer period where we didn't go to games, but there were still games on, for example, played behind closed doors, et cetera, et cetera. But to just stop so abruptly is kind of like, right, it's the cold turkey thing. Like it's an enforced ban and everything stopped at the same time. You know, lots of European divisions either had already stopped or or stopped in the next few days. So it's just it was a weird, weird feeling. And now it just feels like a bit like, I don't know. There's just this void that needs filling by something. And Jamie's going to take up knitting. I'm not sure what I'm going to do. Don't don't (laughs) think about it really given that, I mean, I just became overly invested in like the NFL draft, for example, because I like American football as well. And you just kind of find other things to kind of fill your time with, but it's not the same. Like it doesn't, that football's my first kind of sport. My first love as it were. you know, when you're a kid, you grow up and football has been a part of my life for as long as I can remember. Um, and that was before I started working in in the sport so it's a really really difficult one and just I think it may I think when it comes back hopefully people will maybe not appreciate it but kind of enjoy it more because they don't take it for granted as much like I will never complain about a nil nil draw on Monday Night Football again for example or like yeah we will (laughs) it's very (laughs) To like criticize the choice of like a super Sunday game on Sky, for example, in the UK, so you get the back to back games like the two o'clock and four o'clock or whatever, and a lot of people sit there and objectively say, Oh, it's Bournemouth against Watford, super Sunday, and in inverted commas. But like, hopefully, when football comes back, they'll just appreciate that it is a game, like, nah. it's a football game, nah. like, the game's <laughs> still I'll take, oh, Yeah, I'll take
2: my phone. The last game I went to was Newcastle nil, Burnley nil, right? So I right. haven't even. I haven't even got a happy memory still.
1: Back then. Yeah, is my I <laughs> well, then remember. maybe was didn't the kind of time, like, you didn't count
2: cold turkey. The first weekend, it'll be Watford-Everson or something. There'll be people going, oh, I don't want to watch this bloody rubbish.
3: Watford-Everson, <laughs> look down again. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, it's, uh, I mean, I, I've, maybe my uh, my faith in the human race is, is misjudged. I can see Jamie's point. It, it won't take long. We'll <laughs> I feel, I feel qualified topic. to answer that. It is. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think we've probably all been around long enough to know that it won't take long before uh, it becomes the standard to win about the football games again. Mm. But yeah, I think uh, just as Jamie says, really, it's like the, it's the thing that underpins a lot of people's lives, either from a social point or a professional point, And it's just a, a weird kind of void that just needs sorting out. I mean, I, obviously I've got a Leicester City season ticket, so I miss going to, to games. and So basically I sit on my own. I, I got a seat, like a single seat when I moved back from London because... Um, everybody else that I kind of know that goes to football sits in a different part of the stand and like I wanted to sit behind the, the goal and the cop. And so I just got a single seat. And now like I've got a group of like friends or like acquaintances, I guess, that you kind of sit with and you chat football with on a weekly basis. Yeah, football <laughs> friends. yeah. Football <laughs> friends. But like of all different ages and like, you know, from all different walks of life and you, you just kind of miss the kind of socialization aspect as well, because it's like the, whether it's a pint, in the pub beforehand or after, which is not gonna happen anytime soon, obviously. Um, but no, also like the pubs. kind of match experience. And like we've Leicester have been really, really lucky. So basically I got a season ticket the year we got promoted. So I got to see the great escape season, the title winning season, the Champions League season, and the kind of everything since that. So I've kind of come to it at the best possible time. Like I didn't get any of the rubbish of like the relegation or like the, <laughs> the, the lower league kind of stuff. Like I was going semi-regularly, but kind of getting back from London for, for midweek games was basically impossible with the terrible train network we've got in this country. Um, so it's, um, yeah, it, I've been really, really lucky. And like the the bond that you kind of share with those people that you kind of sit with, you know, you, you have that kind of mutual kind of love for that situation and you chat away and, and you know, it's just that side of it as well that you miss, um, not going to games, which obviously is something that we're probably going to deal with for a good few months, even when the football returns, which is a scary prospect, really. But yeah, I think it'll be a it'll be a glorious day when we're back in the in an actual stadium um, to watch a game of football, and hopefully it won't be um, it won't be too much longer. But yeah, we've got to do it when it's safe, and that's the most important thing.
1: Yeah, I will say a yeah, thing cool. that I uh, haven't missed. Uh, And a thing that I was actually kind of enjoying was it seemed like the animosity on Twitter has been ramped down a few notches and just everybody's kind of in the same boat of missing it. And then I forget what happened, but Harry Kane's name was mentioned for like a singular reason. And I clicked on the comments and it was all about him being a tap and merchant and how he was terrible, immediately followed by all these other clubs saying that they wanted to sign him. And I was like, mm, yeah, I don't miss this part either. Um, <laughs> but That hate has
3: been directed to someone else in the meantime, and then they've just got back to like the status quo now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's probably what it is. Um, but I, I do feel just like as an entire football community, community obviously we get subdivided into our groups based on our clubs and our nations but it really is just one global thing and we've all lost it at the same time and I think if there was a little bit of a kind of better understanding of that rather than just needing to be annoyed because Raheem Sterling said a thing and some people feel the need to belittle him for whatever reason. It's racism. It's not any reason. But um, <laughs> yeah. maybe maybe we could just not for a little bit as we all kind of try to get through this thing together. Uh, I figure we'll wrap up with uh, Player Watch as per obviously no matches to predict. Although sometime... At one point, when we find out when matches will return, that'll be like the first thing we do is we'll preview matches and it'll be a freaking delight. But until then, I was curious for you guys, when football does return, what player are you most looking forward to seeing again, whether it be for your club or otherwise?
2: Yeah, well, first of all, for me, football won't be back until I see Phil Bardsley kick a winger into the stand. <laughs> that will be the first time when I accept that football has returned. <laughs> training
3: counts. You could probably see that, like, the first early training <laughs> session back. You're, like to into the into the like,
2: I, I, dread, I dread to think how Phil Bardsley's using up all his energy and aggression because like, the guy's a freak of nature, honestly. <laughs> 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 but to give a serious answer, I think... Johan Godmanson, it would be fantastic to see him fit and fire him because he's had such bad up with injuries all season. He's not had a run in the team all season. Every time he gets fit, he seems come off the bench one game, starts the next, get injured again. So it's been terrible for him. And I think he brings real balance to the side. When we've got him and McNeil on the wings, we've got threats down both wings. When Hendricks playing on the right, because Gudmundsson's not fit, it just means everything goes down the left. There's so much pressure on McNeil. Teams just double up on him and it becomes increasingly hard to create chances. So if Gudmundsson can get fit, it brings real balance to our team. Um, We're still in the hunt for European qualification, I think. So if football does come back and we play the games behind those doors, if Munson's fit and firing, I think our chances of getting up the table in the last few weeks of the season are heightened compared to if he's not fit. I think he's a really key player for us and that he's missed so many games this season. I think it's been noticeable that it's been games where we haven't really created enough chances.
3: Yeah, I I will take any Leicester game at the moment. <laughs> as Jamie says, it will just be a, a kind of joy to be to be back watching uh, football. The the player that I kind of feel not sorry for as such, but like the, the player, one of Leicester's best players, if not the best Leicester player this season, has been Ricardo Pereira, who got a horrible looking injury. Um, just before the kind of season was curtailed as it was. So if there is a blessing in disguise for him, it might be that this period allows his kind of recovery to allow him to come back a lot sooner than he perhaps thought. And we might actually get to see him play kind of sooner rather than later, which normally it would have ruled him out of like the rest of the season and part of next, maybe. Um, he, he He's still, I don't know how he's not for someone better than us, essentially yeah. like he's still amazing and he I think at 26 like how someone's not taken a chance on him and 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 took him away from Leicester is beyond me um you could do a whole lot worse than pick him up if you needed a new right back um if you were a club of a certain stature so yeah he's probably that he's been the best player in a Leicester shirt for a, a while now um notwithstanding Jamie Vardy's goal streaks and then droughts and then streaks and then droughts again which he just scored actually and then we stopped predictably so maybe that will carry on once uh, we get back again similar to the full body thing i'm not sure what he's doing with energy because he's a man who runs around <laughs> like he's got a problem anyway like he, he must he, be one I of those on like espresso and red bull and he must be like, doing
2: marathons around his backyard that's what why yeah
3: i think they've got about five or six kids now between them so he's probably chasing the, the kids around yeah. a lot and kind of wearing him out but yeah i think pereira would be the one for me. And also um, Ben Chilwell as well, like a secondary mention to him on the other flank. He he started off really well at the start of the season and he got into the England team and he had this real purple patch where he was scoring and assisting around the time that we beat Southampton 9-0. Like he got a goal and a couple of assists and that really seemed to spare him on. Um and then it just kind of his performances just kind of dropped off the edge of a cliff. Now I don't know if that's just his kind of youthful um form nines kind of either feast or famine and when he has a bad game it compounds into another bad game and then that's a very difficult kind of spell to break out of um but i think particularly with the european championships being shifted back a year he'll he'll have designs on that left back spot um, going into 2021 um so hopefully he you know he maybe this break will do him good to kind of re refocus recenter because it it was kind of not painful to watch but you could kind of tell that the the spark had kind of gone a little bit with him which is a shame because he's such a talented player um, again, another one that's been linked away uh, a few times. Um, so hopefully when when we do get back to playing, he'll be another one that can kind of come in and hit the ground running and, and rediscover that form that we know he's capable of and, and cement himself an England spot for, for the Euros in 2021.
1: Yeah, uh, first of all, I would love to- to Have Ricardo Pereira if you're just like allowing me to have him, but uh, <laughs> I assume it mean, will have to be an exchange of money, money
0: and somewhere,
3: stuff. but it, it <laughs> won't be anywhere near the same as if he was English and and 23 24, yeah. like it would be. the premium Also, it might players.
1: not be anything like it was supposed to be with this just downturn, like we'll just see what that yeah, does to all yeah, the transfer yeah. fees, uh, which we've talked about before, but there's not new info on that, so we didn't readdress it. But uh, for me, the answer is pretty easy, and it's Harry Kane, he got injured. I think it was literally the second day of the new year. Um, if not, it was the second or third, but that was before Lacelso started to break out again. That was right as Deli Ali was starting to find form, and then he lost it again, um, <clears throat> is when Aurier started to pick things up again, and we really started to cross the ball in a lot right as we lost our striker, uh, which was an interesting thing that we continued to do. Um, <clears throat> but having him back... Finally, having LaCelso, I know he's not a traditional creator because he likes to play a little bit deeper. He might get more of the air quote hockey assists. Um, but the the team wasn't clicking post-Jose, pre Kane injury. Um, and then obviously it it started working a couple different times. We were eligible, <laughs> eligible, like we were allowed to. We were close enough to take over fourth from Chelsea twice and then lost both of those matches which is how we've tumbled down to eighth. If we ended the season now on points per game, we'd actually be ninth to end the season. And that's literally just because we lost our last three games. Um, Comparatively, it just... uh, How close everything was makes this weird end to the season so much weirder if it did have to stop now. Um, But... Yeah, uh, for me, it's Kane. He's one of the best creating forwards out there while also being an incredible finisher. He doesn't just score tap-ins. If you want to go check out uh, his total goals for Tottenham, which I think are now past 100? If not, they're close. Um, there there are plenty of bangers in there, as the kids would say. Uh, but yeah, I, I can't wait to see him playing for us again. And then also, kind of like with you and Pereira, uh, Jim, the the worry that eventually he might not stay if we aren't able to kind of reach the air quote, heights that we had under uh, Pochettino, I think will make me appreciate the the remaining performances we get to see from him even more. Um, Jim did just drop something in the chat. I just saw it scroll past Twitter as well. We'll leave everybody with this promising note. Uh, Italy are going to allow individual training as of May 4th. I mentioned at the top of the show that Arsenal are, are preparing a similar thing. Uh, and that group training in Serie A will be allowed on the 18th. We already mentioned the Bundesliga aiming at the 9th. So while we are in this footballless less hellhole there is at least glimpses that may be coming to an end soon. Uh, So we will leave on that positive note. Uh, Jamie, Jim, an absolute pleasure having you guys on today. If you'd like to tell the folks where they could find you or anything you're working on, which I just now realize sounds ridiculous, uh, feel free to tell them that.
2: Yeah, I'm not working on anything. <laughs> yeah, I've been Jamie Smith, pleasure as always. Um, tweet about Berlin, all sorts of stuff on Twitter. Like I say, let me know if you've got any ideas for hobbies. I already play football manager, I'm taking someone into Europe. So don't suggest that because I'm brilliant at it. Cheers. Thanks. Bye.
3: <laughs> Thanks, guys. Uh, I'm Jim. You can find me on Twitter at JimNightTweets. Um, I normally write about football for uh, a couple of different places, including PremierLeaguePress.com. Uh, which is a site that I uh, help run um, from a betting perspective. And we will be writing about football when it returns. So whether it's Bundesliga, Serie A, Premier League, everything in between, that's uh, it's a place to go if you're interested in in betting on football and sport in general. So yeah,
1: yeah I, uh, as Jim alluded to earlier in the show, am no longer covering football regularly as my job. I picked up a desk job. That place is at a manufacturing company. Um, where we can do both additive and subtractive manufacturing, some of which can be applied towards PPEs. So that's why I'm mentioning for the first time, um, if people need, especially in the States, uh, we do have a European branch as well, which I'm pretty sure delivers to England if so. But if anybody needs like PPE, personal protective equipment, uh, that is a thing that my job can do. So if if you represent a group or even are just an individual that needs things like that, feel free to drop me a DM at Kevroth K-E-V-R-O-V. Enough of that serious stuff. If you want to reach the podcast, you can do so at EPL Roundtable on Twitter. Thanks to you guys so much for coming on. We all miss football, but at least we're doing it together. Uh, As we've told folks at home, we'll just kind of bring shows as news comes out. Sometimes that'll be within a week. Sometimes it won't. Uh, But just kind of keep your ear to the ground, and we'll do the same. And we'll come back and do this all over again when there are things to talk about again. But thanks again, Jim and Jamie, for coming on. It was a pleasure, as always. And folks at home, we hope you keep listening.